Institute for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College presents Liberty Mail with the Student Fellows of Faith and Freedom. Welcome back to Liberty Mail. This is Libby Krieger. And Aaron Jenks. And we're coming to you live broadcasting from the Institute for Faith and Freedom's annual conference. Kicking off this morning, we're super excited. We're here in one of the academic buildings in Grove City College's campus. Um, and so we just want to talk a little bit first about the conference. Tonight, we will be having keynote speaker Michael Knowles come. I know we've been talking about that for a few weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have Thursday and Friday. Today, it's Thursday morning. We have speakers all spread about for the days. And they have a lot of different areas of expertise. So you're really getting a full understanding of um, limited government, economics, and all of that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. We have Jay Koss, who earlier came into Grove City and gave a talk on uh, Jefferson James Madison, and Madison. Yes. Um, and then we have uh, even like Bert Folsom. We have mm-hmm. uh, Fuller and Rittenauer. We have, those are Grove City natives. Economic professors. Yes, and then th- be great. These are all today. And then on Friday, tomorrow, we have uh, Paul Kangor. And we even have uh, Lenny McAllister, which is really School choice. He's really great on that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're really getting a lot of these different topics. And so we're excited to have a lot of people, maybe some people who have watched our show and actually meet them in person. Um, so a lot of good stuff mm-hmm. coming up these next few days. But we will be busy. Um, but let's just jump straight into We actually have two wins today. Um, because we wanted to get talk about the conference a little bit first. Didn't want to take up too much time with more wins. Um, but first of all, so we have this game of politics that we're kind of seeing um, in the House with the defund the police issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to give you a little background on what's happening there, Republican North Carolina Representative Greg Murphy is introducing a resolution basically saying that if you have openly supported defunding the police, you cannot have your private security paid for by taxpayers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's a game of politics because, yes, it's almost kind of funny, but it's, it's really true when you get to the crux of the issue that you're having Americans um, in major cities and just all across the country um, having to deal with rising crime with mm-hmm. less police and, you know, it's becoming a real issue who have politicians advocating to defund the police, making them less safe but they're having their own private security at the same time. It's kind of a... Yeah, as you said, like, it's kind of like a, a, a gotcha and mm-hmm. like a, a joke and uh, comical in that fact. But then it's also very legitimate as uh, leftist uh, senators or representatives, mm-hmm. like specifically the squad, yes. spent thousands of dollars on private security that are, are uh, donated to their campaigns mm-hmm. and not supposed to be allocated towards that while they are uh, simultaneously calling for defunding the security of citizens around the country. And so it's a very uh, legitimate argument that, okay, if you're going to make these arguments on a on national scale, mm-hmm. don't be uh, turn around and then doing the opposite and paying for your own security. It, it's a very common thread. Well, and it's taxpayers and that are paying very for it too. too. Yeah, it's I was just going to say that. F- for thee, not for me. And so it, it's upsetting it as a common yeah. uh, individual. And then a great job for uh, North, Clar- North Carolina Representative Greg Murphy for introducing this bill. And it's got co-signed by like seven uh, other representatives. Yeah. Well, also when you look at the representatives who are actually in the senators um, really promulgating this narrative of defunding the police, you know, the p- mm. police are out to get you. They're representing ma- majorly urban areas in which crime is mostly on the rise, um, mm. where it's harder to recruit police and police are not having enough resources to actually combat the crime. Um, and we really haven't seen, I mean, that's a whole other issue, but a ton of evidence of a systemic policing bias. Um, and But it's just like like you said, like such elitism that yeah. I'm 
I'm important enough. I need my own private security, and mm. you're going to pay for it. But you, you know, you'll be fine. Mm. Um, the police are out to get you, so you don't. We don't want police. For yeah, you. and then there's a, a high level of hypocrisy within it, and I know uh, that's like specifically why uh, this senator, uh, sorry again, uh, Greg Murphy was talking mm -hmm. about this, like the hypocrisy of the progressives. But then I also think about this. It's so <laughs> wild to think that okay, President. Uh, Joe Biden sits on, on a stage in the White House and says, "No, we didn't. We, no, we're not for defunding the police." But well, we they try to walk it back. Yes, they walk it back, and then even CNN or uh, MNNBC, they say, "No, we never, uh, exactly. we never supported defunding the police because they understand that it is so wildly unpopular in the states." But yeah. then at the same time, you still have the the far left progressive squad saying, "No, no, we we really want this." Yeah. But as I said, not for the for me. Well, it seems like the progressives, like the squad, like we're talking about, actually maybe believe that to some extent because they're sticking with it. Um, whenever you're seeing the Democratic establishment walking that back, and mm -hmm. so I think it's happening. You know, they're, they're sticking up their hand in the wind, seeing where the wind is blowing. And they're like, oh, this is actually not quite as popular as we thought, especially come midterms. Um, so we're going to walk this back and we're mm -hmm. going to say that we never actually stood for this because they also know the media is not going to hold them to account and be like, actually, here are the receipts. Mm -hmm. Besides some conservative media outlets, uh, the large stream or large largely mainstream media, the legacy media, um, will just cover for them and basically be the Democrats communication team. Mm -hmm. And just say, like, yeah, they never actually said that. Fact check, mostly true, and it's going to be really nuanced. But if you actually look at the details, they did 100% stand for defunding the police. Yeah, they'll, they'll never admit, like, the, the news organizations, or, or, bleh, organizations <laughs> will never admit that or, or support that narrative behind the people that they think are so uh, famous and they're, mm -hmm. hips, they're superstars within the politics. Exactly. Um, I also think it's so crazy that, okay, they're, they're using this taxpayer money for okay, I'm going to use this for my own private security. Use it for something that you're, uh, you're calling, like, alarm to. Mm -hmm. Like, so the squad specifically talks about all these uh, disadvantaged communities, and uh, there's really horrible uh, instances happening in, like, New York City specifically mm -hmm. for um, uh, Cortez. But then use that money, that private tax money, give it back to the people. Then if you really want to uh, stand on what you're, you're speaking and walk the talk, do that. Yeah, and obviously this is not... Hypocrisy in politicians is not anything new. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, and you see it from conservatives, too, from time to time. But on this issue especially, I think it's, it's good that they're being held to account, even if it is more something that might not actually get passed. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it would pass one house but not the other, and who knows what will happen after midterms. But I just think this is a great thing that they're actually using political power in which they... They have whatever they, they can do to make a statement, um, to bring this to attention, um, mm. and not just always sit there as the principled losers, but actually try to do something and use that power to their advantage. Mm -hmm. Well, we started this topic off as the game of politics, and mm -hmm. I really think it's going to come back to that. Like you said, after midterms or in a couple months when maybe this uh, resolution either fails or, or gets mm -hmm. passed or whatever, gets voted on, and we're yeah. going to see, okay, are some Democrats going to uh, take party lines and... Or how is that party line even going to divide? Are mm -hmm. they going to say, no, we don't support defunding the police overall? Yeah. Or are they going to, okay, no, we really, we're going to go a little more with this progressive side of the Democratic yeah. Party? Yeah, that will be interesting. I mean, they've already walked back the defund the police narrative, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if some, well, you know, I think it'd be a nuanced answer where they'd, they'd say something like, well, we don't, we never stood for defunding the police. So this is mm -hmm. just a political game that the Republicans are playing. And I think they'd probably <laughs> try to throw it back on them being petty mm -hmm. and all of that, which, you know, politics is a game, so you really have to play it. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, and I think we can hop right into the second because it really 
uh, kind of ties in that this, okay, there's a belief from the left and, mm -hmm. and how they, uh, but if you're good, we hop into that. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so this belief from the left that, okay, we have a gender pay gap in America and uh, when you like get the statistics, you see that, okay, there is some variation between pay between men and women. Mm -hmm. um, now, when you look at what that, accounts for that, yeah, what accounts for that? Is it just a single variable uh, problem where it's okay? No, because you're a woman, you're not getting paid much. And I know before we said because if men that, are out to get you. If that was true, there'd be thousands of lawsuits uh, happening throughout the states. Yeah. But no, no, the conservative, at least myself, understands that it's a multi-variable situation or mm -hmm. problem. And so when we look at it, it's uh, characteristic traits. Uh, it's what you want to do in life. It's your goals, aspirations. Uh, even if you want to like be more family oriented, yeah. and that goes for men and women. Career path, hours work, seniority, all of those factor in. And it's just whenever they calculate it, it's like mm -hmm. an average. And so you really can't factor all of those into a simple average of pay. Yeah. And like you said, if there was actually a situation in which a woman and a man were have have the same job, put the same hours, mm -hmm. same seniority, the same company, and there was a pay difference, that would be grounds for a discrimination suit. And mm -hmm. That's not what's happening. It's, it's simply an average, and you can't account for all those other factors, like you said. And so the reason we bring this up is because there is a recent Pew uh, research done and a polling, and this polling was going on since 2019, and it found that in 22 cities, women out-earned men. And so that was either, like, it would span from 101% to 115%. Mm. And so in 200, 250 total U.S. Uh, metropolitan areas, women, it was under the 30. So they're out earning uh, young men in all these cities. And specifically, which I thought was interesting, it's New York City, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, some of the biggest metros mm -hmm. in America, uh, younger women are out earning young men. Yeah. Well, if you think a few like key takeaways, um, number one, I think it's an, obviously it's not fully conclusive, but I think it's an indicator that young women are less interested in the traditional lifestyle. Mm -hmm. They're pursuing higher paying careers, they're putting more hours into that, and they are less interested in having, in getting married and having a family and just what used to be the more of norm. And I'm not saying fully it's a, it's a bad thing that women have careers or anything of that sort, but I think it does show you a broader indication of the culture and what we are mm. um, glorifying and what we are aiming for. So I think that in itself is kind of a, a loss mm. that we're seeing such a push towards career, career, career. Yeah, it's a good point. I understand it. And to further that, um, there's a statistic that says never married and also childless women earn 117% on average of the male earning. Mm. And, and so when we look at this, uh, let's call it like a theory of, of the gender pay gap mm -hmm. or like discrimination of gender pay gap. Yeah. And then you come out with uh, statistics that say the opposite. It's okay. How do I, as, as a leftist, Hypothetically. <laughs> Hypothetically, of course, yes. <laughs> How do I come to terms with these two, uh, my, my belief and then this reality that I yeah. see within the data? And then, of course, like we said earlier, the news organizations are not going to promulgate this. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be in the yeah. uh, current mainstream. So it's up to us as we do. And this is our, kind of our goal yeah. at uh, Liberty Mail is to kind of like promulgate these ideas that, okay, you can't come to terms with mm -hmm. these two facts. What, something else I think is interesting about this is so the study was done by the Pew Research Center. Um, and I think, so the title is Young Women Are Out Earning Young Men in Several U.S. Cities, but it talks about this pay gap. Mm. And the, even like the premise of this article is that there is a pay gap. Mm -hmm. And so you have the media and like even these well-respected research institutes acting as though that is fact already that there is a pay gap, like the, a legitimate gender pay gap based systemically on sexism. Yes, let me think, 
think about it like this. There is a pay gap, and it goes both ways. There's a pay gap within any kind of field, whatever industry, or uh, even like based on race, there is a gap always because you can pull, oh, yes. pull data and yeah. make it say whatever you want, and there's good to be that. So then we have to really be rational about this, be like, okay, what are the underlying uh, causes of this? Yeah. And then where the, where the le- uh, person on the left, I think, strays off the path is, oh, that's solely based because you were a female in the United mm-hmm. States. You are being uh, discriminated against and you cannot earn more than the male yeah. counterpart. I guess the the problem is the framing and the rhetoric of mm-hmm. saying there is a pay gap assumes just the way that like the media is mm-hmm. that it is a systemic problem and like that it doesn't account it is solely based on those factors I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, and another sad thing about how this has been framed I think is that women really believe they are being discriminated against and are getting paid less just mm-hmm. because of their gender. I mean, it's the same kind of thing with um, white privilege. If you're being told that you are someone a nameless, faceless um, movement or hate is out to get you from the start how do you think you're going to succeed if you're mm-hmm. if that's what you truly believe yeah it's the role of the victim um one of my favorite authors tom soul always talks about this in his writings as a, a black conservative and economist saying that okay in this culture and he specifically is talking to his uh, black american culture that mm-hmm. we've grown up in this we are the victim and how does that uh, shape our ideology how does that shape yeah. our feelings growing up and there's a real uh, deep level of psychology within it. Oh, yeah. And so, like you said, when women today are being uh, or growing up being told, okay, you're going to not earn as much as me mm-hmm. across from the table from you growing up your whole life, how does that really uh, affect your psychology? Exactly. Um, I found this really interesting article from the Man- Manhattan Institute, which is a um, well-respected think tank, mm-hmm. and talking about the gender wage gap being a myth. Um, and it was really funny because it was quoting President Obama, And back whenever he was in office, um, he would talk about making progress on the 77 cents to a dollar um, notion of women being paid less. Um, But they like fact checked him. And obviously it's not when it's not taking into account those factors. But even if you look at his White House staff, women were being paid if you use the same sort of. Um, average kind of calculation that the left does to get that 77 cents on a dollar, he was paying um, women 91 cents to the male. Hmm. So it's just funny. It's like, do you even look in the mirror before yeah. you make these claims? Um, Another hi- hypocritical kind of statement exactly. from the elitist uh, establishment we kind of view in there. But it, it, it shouldn't take a, a a research institute or a think tank to come no. up with that, you know? That should mm-hmm. be something that journalists are actually looking to find out. Um, but, you know, that's that's not where we're at because mm-hmm. you know how the media is. So. And, and one kind of, like, cementing fact that in this Pew Research is that uh, the vast majority where kind of how they viewed uh, the cities and the gender pay gap in all of this is that it was drastically narrower compared mm-hmm. to... Uh, like 10 years ago yeah. or, or any kind of uh, older statistic looking at, at the differences in pay. And even like majority of the time it was uh, women, if, if it wasn't in the 22 where they were out earning young men, it was okay, they're right at that 95 percentile. Mm-hmm. And I think like 49% of all women fell into that. And then if you got anywhere below 80, it was only like, like three or 4% of all women fell into that, okay, uh, women earn uh, 80% mm-hmm. uh, of what the 100% of what males yeah. make to their counterpart. And it's just crazy how like narrow this is, but it's such an important uh, subject from the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, I think that just goes to show that women are moving less towards having families and pursuing the traditional lifestyle and more towards career, 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 working those long hours mm-hmm. in those um, high-paying fields, which again, not necessarily a bad thing, but I think mm-hmm. culturally that is not a good shift. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean... 
don't we have a replacement rate that is too low? Like we are below mm. that point already. So what you're going to see is that getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, and and we can keep on throwing multiple variables at the situation. It just keeps on showing how uh, how how that, complex yeah, the complex issue this is, is, and, and how we can't explain and one it with more one is, factor. Is that women work uh, like two or four hours less than their uh, male counterpart mm. on average? And it's in this research. Please look it up. PewResearch.com or .org, mm -hmm. and it just shows that, okay, like you said, it's so complex, and there's gonna be a multi, it's going to be a multivariable issue, and it's not uh, going to be simple, simplified down into this progressive narrative of, okay, no, th they're out to get you, you're a victim. Sorry, sorry, Libby, you, you can't make more. <laughs> I know, just the men are out to, out mm -hmm. to get us women. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but <laughs> interesting topic for sure, yeah. and I like how you, you brought this in to the conversation mm -hmm. as a, well, that's the leftist thinks that, but... Mm -hmm. Even if this were true, you're getting proved wrong. Yeah. There's a ton of buzz going around. I hope I hope <laughs> you all can hear this in this uh, atrium in, uh, at Grove City mm -hmm. for the Freedom Conference. I think we're going to wrap up shortly here because there's going to be speakers, as we said, all mm -hmm. day. I know, Libby, who are you uh, introducing later? Um, Dr. Jay Cost, right after this, oh, actually. He's perfect. starting us off on the conference. I believe he's talking about constitutionalism and republicanism mm -hmm. and how those two intersect in American politics. So that will be a really interesting talk. Mm -hmm. um, again, Michael Knowles tonight is going to be really yep. exciting. And I think he's, he's speaking on free speech. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something Which that we, we have talked about so much and mm -hmm. have always had slight disagreements on <laughs> what exactly free speech means. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're going we're gonna to have an interesting conversation after hearing um, Michael Knowles tonight. Yeah. I think that will be live streamed through Young America's Foundation. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so make and sure so you check good, that out. It's going to be an exciting two days. Please be on the uh, IFF Instagram, be on the IFF uh, YouTube account, Facebook. Mm -hmm. Look out for Liberty Mail coming out this weekend. And we appreciate y'all listening. Thank you. Bye. Welcome back to Liberty Mail. This is Libby Krieger. And this is Grace Riley. And we're coming to you live from the annual Faith and Freedom Conference here at Grove City College. We're here in the atrium of one of the academic buildings. Um, you all have gotten to know Grace Riley from a few past episodes, and today we're just going to have a natural kind of flow of conversation on the war on women. Yeah, and I'm really happy to be here. It's a great conference and a lot of people on campus today for it. Mm -hmm. Really exciting, and I figured this is a great conversation for us to have as two young conservative women. You know, we see the role of gender um, maybe very differently than a lot of other young women at this time uh, because we know how feminism has really kind of taken over and become a lot more radical than it originally started as. So um, where we could start off today, I guess, is how gender roles and how um, women have been like pushed into the workforce a little more. I know we talked about that before going live, but just how um, no longer is there a a traditional route or a push towards that traditional route. You know, Western civilization has flourished for so long based on the nuclear family. Um, and that requires to at least some extent um, an understanding that women and men have different roles. And that's not to say that women can't have careers or women can't be successful or anything like that. I think it's really um, more just the broader cultural shift towards pushing women um, to just be workers all the time and not 
and, and kind of deny the, the aspect that we were created to be mothers and wives too. Yeah, I think that's perfectly said. And it's really important to acknowledge that we're seeing this everywhere throughout culture, in government, in politics, in schools, and just everywhere. This, what I would call a war on gender. Mm-hmm. And we have seen this, a war on gender, a war on women. A war on truth, really. Yeah, a war on truth, you're right. Because just at its very core, men and women are different. And that's really great. It's a good mm-hmm. thing. And men and women both have different gifts. They bring different qualities and skill sets to the table mm-hmm. that help to balance society, our families, our relationships. And those are things and differences that should be celebrated and, again, are so important in that core family, mm-hmm. which is the core you know, of our good American country. And yeah. it's so interesting to see the way that culture has changed over the past few years. So mm-hmm. we see um, in the recent Supreme Court cases, we see... Um, Judge Katanji Brown, like we see her not defined woman. Mm-hmm. And then we see in schools, we see people pushing sex education on kindergartners and elementary school kids, all to kind of confuse them and say, here, what's your sexuality? What are your yeah. pronouns? What's this, that? And to kind of erase the definition of gender at its core. And then the concept that has been, you know, known for years, like it's a pretty simple thing. You're yeah. either a man or a woman, that's a scientific concept, Mm -hmm. but that's one that the radical left has been trying to erase for years, and I think we're really seeing it in play now. And another Mm -hmm. thing is we see that in Hollywood and in culture, all over the place, you can barely find a show today that doesn't focus on this topic. No, that's that's a good point. And I think there's so many areas in which we could talk about this war on women where it's whether it's transgenderism or with careers or um, just radical feminism writ large, you can see it cutting against like what women are made to be. Um, and so, I, you know, it's just really, we could take this in so many di- different directions from that. Um, but even like when you think of the, the leftist term, I actually looked up articles on the war on women before us having this conversation, and a lot of it was about reproductive rights mm-hmm. and how they framed that issue as the war on women is is this um, crusade to overturn Roe because that is that is truly how women can um, have rights in this country. And be empowered in this country. Exactly. Abortion is just true women empowerment. That's what they say, but and that's a lie. And it's, it's really the opposite when you think about it because that all stemmed from the sexual revolution, which I think a lot of this radical feminism really kind of spiraled. Um, just telling women, you know, th- this is how you can empower yourself is by going around and really just not acting in a, an upstanding way. I won't get into details, obviously, on the podcast, but just like what, what naturally flowed from the sexual revolution is, is where we are now. Um, just saying women can do whatever they want with no regard for the fact that we are human beings with a soul too Mm -hmm. um and like the metaphysical level of this as well yeah and i think like as you're saying it really does have a marxist core where Mm -hmm. you know marx stands for the abolition of the nuclear family and with that that involves removing women from the home and sending them into the workforce Mm -hmm. because in a marxist society marx doesn't want kids to be parented by their parents he doesn't want that core the state needs to do that yeah exactly so So that family and that's one step closer exactly so you move kids into the school systems where now the public school systems are pushing radical leftist ideologies onto kids Mm -hmm. throughout our american public schools so the education system has largely fallen to the left which is something i think conservatives really need to be focused more on we've lost the institutions truly exactly and i guess so a question to go off of this that we could talk about is what it actually means to be a conservative woman in this day and age, how we can live that out, 
um, and just kind of steps for maybe other young conservative women who are watching this podcast? Yeah. So I would say that the core to this question and the core to answering this question is to, you know, live your life um, in the lifestyle of conservatism, standing for your values. So live your life in that way and be a good mom, mm-hmm. you know, be a good woman, be a good wife, be a good mom in your family and raise a good next generation. That's really the core, I think, mm-hmm. is just living out these principles. Yeah, and we talk about conservatism, and it's what what values are you conserving? So we talk about faith and freedom, and I think those are Institute of Faith and Freedom, but those are really at the heart of what conservatism is. Um, and so I think also, in my opinion, just even though like us as conservative women who are not married and are still young and we have a career path of some sort, that's not a bad thing to have a career. I think lots of times um, the left looks at conservative women and they're like, oh, well, you just want them to stay at home and be in the kitchen. That's not what we're saying. You know, there is an area, there is a place to have careers and to um, use your God-given talents to um, better help human flourishing or whatever it may be. Um, But I think at the end, we still should be pursuing that traditional lifestyle that is at the end of the day, that's what makes people happy. Mm -hmm. And that's what is better for Western civilization and writ large conservatism. Well, it's true. And we talk about happiness and really conservatives statistically are more happy. And I think that's a great point too, where women have the unique ability, role, and gift to be mothers. And that's, Mm, I think, the most important role a woman could have. But also women obviously are given qualities to be able to work hard, you know, pursue successful careers and do both Mm -hmm. while still conserving those roles. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important gift where, you know, it's amazing that here in America, we can kind of have it all. Mm -hmm. It's just remembering those core values and And what is more important at the end of the day. Exactly. And prioritizing because I know, again, it's like there's a lot of career women today and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what someone chooses to be their path. But there's definitely something to be said for those traditional roles and having that balance in our society. Yeah, exactly. And another interesting thing is that, so the left, they say they support women and what that really means is they support killing children in a lot of ways. Which makes no sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. But at the same time, they, they support transgenderism too, which means that there is no difference between men and women. And you really can't have... You can't have your cake and eat it too. Either there is a difference between men and women, and women are really special, um, like feminism may say, and I agree with that in that just that statement, um, or there's no difference and the genders and sexes are malleable um, and you can switch between the two. And so it's so interesting that both of these leftist talking points and movements really cut against each other when you get to the heart of the premises of the movement itself. Yeah, and there are very thorough inconsistencies, as you're saying. And off of the topic of abortion, too, that is really one of the biggest lies that I think women are being told these Mm. days. It's that abortion is empowerment. And, you know, you can't have a baby in a career. You have to have abortions. Abortions are great. And that is the messaging that the abortion movement is using. Not that, oh, there's one if you need it. It's, Mm -hmm. It's gone from, you know, the heartbeat debates to a California bill that just... Um, came up where they're trying to legalize um, aborting your baby seven days after it was born. So infanticide. So we've moved past these simple heartbeat bills and past, oh, here's an abortion if you're in an emergency situation to, oh, have as much like sex as you want and glorifying getting abortions after that. 
all anything goes basically. and that goes off exactly and that goes off of the sexual revolution as you said yeah and it goes into kind of transforming this whole culture and breaking down mm-hmm. the nuclear family well also so you and i were both at the Dobbs case in the supreme court yes this past january or was it december um it was sometime in the winter. We were down in I D.C. I believe December. <laughs> and, and you would see just the discrepancy between the two sides, the women on the pro-life side and the women on the pro-choice side. It wasn't, it wasn't even pro-choice. That was pro-murder in the way that they were acting, in the way that they were putting on a show of taking abortion pills, dressing in all black, um, yelling vulgar things. And you could see just like the huge discrepancy of what these two sides stand for. It's not about freedom. It's not about w- promoting women in any way. It's about murder and completely licensed to do to live an immoral life and have no repercussions and feel no um pushback on that because yeah. they i think at the heart of it they feel probably guilty about the way they're living and maybe what they've done in the past and they have to normalize it so much so they don't feel any of that guilt and it's truly a sad thing and you know watching those discrepancies at that case you you really can see them you know the pro-life women are women of empathy and who are of love and standing for life and for those values whereas the other side is just standing completely against Mm -hmm. that and is angry honestly and unhappy and that shows and you know again there have been statistics that radical feminists today are way more unhappy than conservative feminist women Mm -hmm. um, that are more traditional and you know, it's just the truth of what makes people happy and what doesn't. And we have seen this throughout history um, with the family as the core versus people kind of struggling alone, trying to depend only on the state, looking Mm -hmm. for cultural guidance instead of spiritual guidance. Yeah, exactly. And Grace, I don't know if you saw this one video was going around Twitter the other day um, about Cracker Jill. I don't know if you saw that. So the Take Me Out to the Ball Game song, Mm -hmm. Buy Me Some Peanuts and Cracker Jacks, there's a rebranding by Cracker Jacks to be Cracker Jills now. And so then they Because we out, have to do that with every brand And now. personally, yeah. I feel so much better knowing that Cracker Jacks are not Cracker Jills. As a woman, you know, I you know. feel represented. Um, just kidding, of course. But it just, you know, it validates me as a woman. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't eat Cracker Jacks before that. But so this video, um, they had a little promo of this lady singing the Take Me Out to the Ball Game, but saying Cracker Jills instead. And it was like, support women. Like it was supposed to be this huge feminist thing. But I think it was so ironic i almost thought it was satire to have this coming out at the same time as this um leah thomas stuff Mm -hmm. and obviously i'm not saying the one was a reaction to the other i don't think they were related but that it's the blatant um hypocrisy of the left that you're seeing kind of promoting these two things at once how can you be promoting cracker jills and like women's sports like women's rights all this stuff while also completely pushing women to the side by allowing men to compete against them and just obliterate them in these these races yeah and men competing in women's sport is sports is really at the core of the attack on women Mm -hmm. because as a former athlete myself so I actually competed in high school track in Connecticut which was I don't know if anyone remembers but that's where all of this started Mm -hmm. so that's where during Connecticut track state championships a man was able to compete and Mm -hmm. take basically a spot from a woman that's where a lot of this national coverage started so I was an athlete there and now I'm not that good. But the point is, I understand as a female mm-hmm. athlete how difficult how and much work hard you that put is. in. Too, yeah, just and to this, be completely It's a lot aside. bigger than just, oh, I won or lost a championship. Mm-hmm. These are scholarships for these high schoolers, at least, um, that they're missing out on. And they're missing out on spots to hire champions.
championships that get them scouts and scholarships. It's a really big deal. And again, something like that is so important for women's empowerment and for the left to be supporting just kind of throwing that away is so inconsistent with what they say they stand for in other situations. Exactly. It's like they have two competing narratives that they've pushed both of them separately so hard that their cognitive dissonance won't allow them to see the direct um, kind of way that they can't work together. Um, So it's it's really fascinating to see as someone who doesn't support that um, movement and the narrative, all of that, how much they just don't make sense together. Um, And I think any thinking, common sense person can see that. And I think that's, we're actually seeing more a return to common sense. I think more people are waking up to that, especially female athletes are waking up to that and kind of seeing, wait, like... Left actually doesn't care about it. Yeah, exactly. And maybe even female athletes that were formerly on the left, like they're opening their eyes and saying, wait, this Mm -hmm. doesn't really make sense. Because again, as far as sports goes, there are biological differences. Mm -hmm. And as far as the gender definitions go to their core, again, biological differences. But in sports, that put men at an advantage, and that's a fact, Mm -hmm. and you can't change the facts, even though the left may think that you can, you can't. (laughs) Exactly. Facts are facts. Facts don't care about your feelings, as as, uh, Ben Shapiro once said. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so great conversation today. It's nice to talk about being conservative women. Obviously, none of us can live it out perfectly, too, um, as Christians and as conservatives, but we should strive yeah, to certainly promote something those values. To strive for. Yeah, and actually live out faith and freedom in our daily lives. And, and our it's daily the walk. best thing we can do as conservative women. Exactly. So if you're listening to this podcast on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe, hit the bell so you're notified. Thanks, Grace, for coming on. Thank you for um, having me. I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point soon. Thanks so much. For more information on this podcast or other programs, please visit faithandfreedom.com.